Hi everybody. Welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fergam. How's everybody doing? Got the sniffles a little bit today. You'll probably hear it in my voice. If not in my voice, you'll hear it when I sniffle. Ah. Uh, boy, you know what? We'll get to this we'll get to this early. Last week I forgot to do my my franchise viewing catch-up discussion and at least one person actually complained. Uh, so it's nice to know that people are listening, but also that I only hear from them when they are upset with me. So cool. So I'll be sure to get two weeks worth in today. Um, this will probably kind of just be a, a media episode uh, because very little is going on in my life other than that. Uh, I have not seen Doctor Strange 2. Uh, I am going to take a trip at the beginning of June to visit my friend, and we are going to see it together. And so I am waiting to see it. I am as surprised as anybody that there's a real-life person I like more than I like Doctor Strange. Uh, and also, for being honest, probably more than both Ant-Man and Groot. You know, not even probably. Definitely. Uh, so I'm holding off. Uh, everything I'm hearing about it has me kind of excited. I hear there's, I hear Sam Raimi is Sam Raimiing it up, which I'm excited about. Uh, also, a lot of, I mean, I've seen a lot of people complaining, and I'm not looking too much because uh, I don't want spoilies, uh, complaining that uh, uh, having a horror director do one of these movies is a weird tone. And I would call those people fools because Sam Raimi is not primarily a horror director. Yes, that's how he started. Yes, he did the Evil Dead movies. But, I mean, let's be honest, he's done three, he's done as many Spider-Man movies as he's done horror movies. Uh, uh, you know, the first two Evil Deads and Drag Me to Hell. I don't count Army of Darkness as a horror movie, even though it's the third Evil Dead because at that point it's just a straight action comedy where the enemies are skeletons. It's amazing. There's just no real horror elements to it. Uh, and, you know, if you count Doctor Strange and Darkman, he's done five superhero movies compared to three horror movies. It's silly to... Yeah. Think of him as a horror guy when, you know, he's done as many Oscar bait dramas as he has horror movies. Be cool. Sam Raimi's awesome. I think I might do a big Sam Raimi rewatch uh, after I finish watching all the James Gunn stuff, which is still just waiting on me to actually sit and watch Scooby-Doo movies. Because uh, I love him. Sam Raimi's great. Uh, I actually watched Drag Me to Hell for the first time. It was on Hulu. Hulu? And I've never seen it. And I thought, hey, what the heck? I'm not a big horror guy, but it was rated PG-13, so I'm like, it can't be too uh, gross. Uh, it's surprisingly effective and fun, and in the first two minutes of the movie, somebody actually gets dragged to hell, so the promise of the title has been delivered on. Um, so anyway, I don't really have, I won't have thoughts on Doctor Strange for a little while. Uh, I really like the Moon, the Moon Knight finale. It was a bold move to, in a six-episode series, have 
a full episode and big hunks of two others take place in the afterlife <laughs> and also not have Moon Knight appear for a big hunk of it. But I really liked it. I think the way it ends sets up uh, an interesting status quo going forward. Uh, yeah, I want to see more Moon Knight. Heck yeah, bring it on. Um, I'm drawing a blank. There was a thing, uh, a specific thing that was on my mind. Uh, and I have completely forgotten it now. Oh, I feel like a fool. I have in my notes I wanted to talk about Tom Hardy's FX series Taboo, which has not aired in about four years, uh, just because it's absurd. Uh, but really, the only top of my head, the weirdest thing about it, besides the surprise introductions of incest and cannibalism, is uh, it's created by Tom Hardy and his dad. And his dad's name is Chips Hardy. <laughs> And I, I don't even know what to do with that, man. It's great. Chips Hardy. Um, uh, uh, blah, blah. I also don't want to talk about Better Call Saul because my, I, my friends are a couple weeks behind and I don't want to ruin anything, but it's great. Uh, I think Barry is really good this season uh, and Bill Hader has just, gone into straight up being a villain which for a show that was presu that was uh primarily about uh the somebody's attempts to to uh uh why can't i think what the word is when you try to be better you try to uh uh i i literally don't know that's probably tells you a lot about me but it's about his efforts to become a better person to uh break out of that cycle and season three seems to be postulating no he can't he's just the worst which is pretty bold especially you're in th you know you're three seasons in so presumably people are pretty uh pretty locked in and also bill Hader seems to be a delightful man uh it's good good show uh what else? I watch, I'm watching The Wilds on Amazon. That was something I started, but then uh, I got distracted by Yellow Jackets, and I didn't need two uh, uh, teenage girls survive a plane crash and end up in the wilderness shows at once. But I'm enjoying it, and it's got enough weird little, weird little quirks that make it different enough from Yellow Jackets slash Lost that uh, I'm sold. My... I guess, like, one of my favorite genres must be people surviving a plane crash <laughs> and navigating their new mysterious surroundings. Uh, my full favorite uh, subgenre is bad guys have tampered with Jason Statham's heart. Uh, it's a small subgenre, but it, it's, it, it's a home run every time, you know? Um, boy, if I could think of the thing I wanted to say, I, I'll say it. Uh, but instead, let's just, I, I want to not forget, so I'll get into my, my franchise viewing. Uh, so it's two movies in each of my, my current franchises. Uh, so in the Marvel, uh, the Marvel rewatch, I saw the first Thor and the first Captain America. And man, especially after the Hulk solo movie and Iron Man 2, 
These were like a breath of fresh air. They are so fun. Um, it is interesting that these movies were not huge hits. Like they did, I think they opened at number one. They did well. They made money. Nobody was nobody's feelings were hurt. But it's not till Avengers, which I'll be watching next week, that suddenly this becomes the biggest franchise. Uh, so it's kind of interesting when they were sort of had moderate expectations. Uh, Thor, I think I have two issues with Thor in terms of storytelling. First off, it is a uh, he doesn't have his powers for most of the movie, which you saw happen a lot in like the 90s when they did superhero movies that were embarrassed to be superhero movies like uh, The Shadow, the Alec Baldwin Shadow, which would not have been a good movie if they'd fixed this, but it would have bothered me less where they, they introduce the shadow and they tell you what his powers are and then they bring in the villains like, but they don't work on this guy. Okay, cool. So he functionally doesn't have power. His, his powers to cloud men's minds for the, for the length of this movie, the only time we will see him on a screen. Cool. Um, and I sort of get the reasoning for it is, especially that early on for them, Thor's a hard character to sort of get your get your brain around and he's you know completely new character to a lot of people and uh with if you put him on earth and keep him with his powers there's not much tension so i get it it's not my favorite thing to do i get why they did it also a big part of it is uh odin falling into the odin sleep and with a question of whether or not he'll ever wake up. And of course he does wake up because he's proud of his son. But I feel like for a better story, Loki should have had something to do with him falling into, into the Odin sleep. Like he should have caused it in some way because, yeah, Loki capitalizes on it to become the, the ruler of Asgard. But uh, it doesn't make him the most dynamic character if he's just capitalizing on a coincidence rather than uh, him having some grand plan and stopping at nothing to make it happen. And the Loki we get to know will be that guy, but they I wish they'd done it here. Also, not a lot of redeeming qualities in Loki, the first movie. Like They, all, they always sort of make a big deal about how outright evil he is in Avengers compared to later appearances. He's pretty rotten in this one, too. You know, like he, he's, he's ready to kill his, uses the destroyer to kill his brother. Um, but all in all, I really, it's, it's good and fun. Uh, like the main point of the movie is to make sure you're totally on board with Thor and Loki before Avengers. And that absolutely does that. Chris Hemsworth is so charming right off the bat. Uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston is just, is great. Uh, it really, it really works. You know, it's, it's, uh, this stuff keeps getting better from there, but it is a, it is a solid movie about a character who's hard to get right. And I really enjoyed watching it again. And terrific performances all around. Uh, I'm not usually a huge Natalie Portman fan. I think she's a little too, 
I don't know. There's, I say that though, and then I think like, uh, you know, the stuff I've actually seen her in, I think is real good. Like Annihilation, she just does a lot of movies that I'm not interested in watching, I guess. So, but that I guess shouldn't be a, held as a knock against her performance. It's just that I don't want to see Black Swan. Um, but yeah, great all around. Good job, Thor. Captain America, I've probably seen more often than Thor. That's another one. Super fun. It does a great job of getting you totally on board with Chris Evans. Uh, Captain America could be such a cheeseball character. And I remember even seeing the first ads for for the movie during the Super Bowl, maybe. And it looked so cheesy. And I think it actually really delivers. It's, got, it's really good-spirited and... The action scenes are great. Uh, just, it's good stuff. The The cast is so good. You know, Haley Atwell is, uh, as, uh, as Agent Carter, she's great. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is super fun. I forgot Tommy Lee Jones was in a Marvel movie. And you know what? I bet Tommy Lee Jones forgot that too. If you were to ask him, which of these movies do you think he was in? He would not guess Captain America. Uh, but he's very good in it. Um, this is this one's kind of the first big attempts at world building because it's got the the Red Skull's got the the Tesseract in it, and which then also turns out to be an Infinity Stone. But it sort of directly sets up Avengers. Uh, yeah, I had a good time watching those two. Uh, next week is Avengers, and then we get sort of into. Uh, cluster of ones I haven't seen as often as as others and uh, it's just going to get more exciting from here way to go guys uh, and then I wrapped up the Mission Impossible franchise with Rogue Nation and Fallout and those are the two best movies ever made and there's no there's really no argument they're God. I mean, Ghost, Pro Ghost Protocol is tremendous I love Ghost Protocol but I think the way the, the uh, five and six kind of connect uh, makes them it makes give them a little bit of the edge over over the over ghost prots. Uh, I think the the opera house scene in Rogue Nation is one of the best scenes in the whole series. But you know, there's also like nine amazing action scenes in it and fallout is just just perfect straight through it is so good it's a movie i've seen a bunch of times and as i'm watching it i keep feeling a little sad when scenes end because it's like oh that scene's done now <laughs> like the bit where henry cavill and tom cruise fight the guy in the bathroom that scene could be 40 minutes and i would be on board uh but that yeah it's God, everybody in it is so good, too. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson. There, there should be like four movies about her character. Uh, it's super fun to see Vig Rames, who used to be in everything, and now he pretty much just does Arby's and Mission Impossible. Uh, Simon Pe Here's the great thing is uh, they just kind of bring back the characters who audiences really respond to. So... Uh, Vink Rames is the only other person who's in all of the movies and uh, Simon Pegg is in all of them 
after uh, three and up, and that's just because people like them. So that means the the set in stone crew of a Mission Impossible movie is Tom Cruise and then two tech guys. <laughs> The, the two most popular characters fulfill the same function on the team, so they just they, they just sort of let it. Uh, it is fine. They're both there. It's great. Uh, also, the villain in in uh, in those two, Sean Harris, is uh, who plays Solomon Lane, especially in Fallout, where he has a beard. He looks kind of like a ginger coach beard from Ted Lasso. Once you see it, you can't not see it. Uh, so, yeah, man, I love those movies. Now I'm out of Mission Impossible movies, and due to popular demand, I will instead be replacing it with the American Pie series. Since I mysteriously have a nine-movie box set, I might as well watch them and get something out of it. At least there'll be something to talk about on here. Uh, I have my misgivings in that I don't particularly remember enjoying the, the two that I have seen. And also, I'm going to be honest with you. What happens if I'm like, man, oh God, you know what? We're all adults here. We have to reckon with this. What if I'm turned on by teenage sex comedies? I doubt I will be. I doubt it. I, I, and yes, you, yes, I know they were play. They were the performers are older than they're playing, but they're still being presented as high school students, and even then, they're in their twenties. Uh, and as I am, I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll be upset with myself if I'm like, holy smokes, that's hot, which is exactly what I think when something is hot. Uh, I don't know. You'll hear me awkwardly muddle, mutter my way through it, but I'm 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 a little bit worried about me liking it too much. Which is, you know what? Let me before we get back to franchise talk. Uh, I had this idea, and I think I mentioned it last week. Or I was going to watch Euphoria and My So-Called Life and sort of compare and contrast because they're sort of the hot high school shows of their respective decades, and they have the same number of episodes right now. But I just can't get into euphoria, and part of it is uh, not only can I not wrap my mind around a lot of the things they're telling me are universal about high school students now, I think it's pretty exploitative, and even if they are not the, the uh, actors and actresses are not high school students, they're still being presented to us sexually and then and and as high school students and I don't know I don't like the idea of, of uh, it doesn't matter how old the actress is if they are playing a high school junior I'm gonna feel creepy that's the way my brain works uh, and also I don't know I just I am just not I don't enjoy it I don't think I'm gonna watch more episodes uh, whereas my so-called life, holy smokes, guys, that show's real good. I remember watching it in its original airing and liking it, but nothing really stuck in my head. I mean, it's been 28 years. Why, you know, not everything is stuck in my head from 1994. 
but it's so I really like the it reminds me of Roseanne in some ways uh, putting aside Roseanne being a terrible person now but there are episodes of, of the original run of Roseanne where it's like that's not even like a full plot it's just things happen and then it hits the end of the of the runtime and that's an episode and there's something I kind of like about that uh, you have to be really good to make it work and my so-called life sometimes does that or it gets the the sort of intensity of of being in high school and having all these hormones and chemicals flooding your brain and uh, everything is the most important thing in the world and it doesn't feel the need to explain that every time like like yeah best friends had a big fight that lasted for weeks and they almost stopped talking to each other over something stupid and the show doesn't have to uh, point out that it was stupid it just plays the stakes that is incredibly important to them at that moment and the other thing I really enjoy is uh, like the show is very much it very much acknowledges that you know what sometimes teenagers are just assholes they can't control it it's just going to happen you see a lot of that in that show and it's it's really good I'm having a blast watching it uh, so that's a hearty recommendation for a show from 28 years ago but it is on Hulu and you'll enjoy it uh, so back to my back to my franchises we've established Mission Impossible is perfect uh, and I wish I had more of those to watch instead of getting into American Pie but here we are uh, and then also in the James Bond front uh, we're still early on here I watched Goldfinger and Thunderball two more Sean Connerys who uh, I am enjoying him more than I have in the past his movies are mostly kind of snoozes though Goldfinger is the first one that's sort of recognizably a Bond movie like a lot of the a lot of the formula kicks in there with death traps and you know Q uh, having outlandish weapons and there's a pre-credit action scene and just a lot of the a lot of the things you've come to expect are there uh, and there's a crazy henchman in odd job uh, and there's some stuff in it that is just great and some of it is well including Dr. No two of the first three Bond movies have James Bond just staying at the bad guy's house because it's too much work to kill him like they actually admitted in, in Goldfinger as someone comes out and, and points out look if you kill him they're going to replace him then you have to kill that guy too so it's easier to just let let James Bond hang around rather than have to kill two people also there and it's not as explicit in the movie as I guess it is in the book but uh, there's a little bit of ugliness with the character <sighs> Pussy Galore who uh, is portrayed as a lesbian uh I mean portrayed I say portrayed as because she's a fictional character uh it's in the in the novel it's uh it's it's explicit in the movie it's sort of 
1964 uh, implied. But in both, and it's much uglier in the novel, James Bond converts her simply by being so good at sex. And that's, you know what, watching that now, that's like, that's, that's pretty gross. And Ian Fleming hated lesbians so much, and it's in so much of his writing, and it's just, I don't know, it, it, it bums me out a little. Uh, you know, so you younger people who are dealing with J.K. Rowling being an absolute turd in real life, uh, uh, you know, we James Bond fans have had to deal with that too. I mean, he's, you know, also it was a hundred years ago and everybody was kind of terrible by today's standards, but Ian Fleming was just kind of a bad guy. Uh, but I had fun watching Goldfinger. Thunderball, I fell asleep twice and I've decided I'm going to have to just call a mulligan. Uh, I thought I'd push it over to next week, but it's not like I'm watching these for a class. If it puts me to sleep on two separate occasions, I'm probably not having a great time. Uh, now, Thunderball is one... I feel like I saw it a lot as a kid because ABC, I think, had the rights to it and they would always air it like opposite big sporting events or awards shows. And so for a long time, it was the only Bond movie I'd seen. Uh, a lot of guys my age... Yeah, I got into James Bond when, like, it was their, like, they'd get into it with their dad. And uh, to this day, I don't know my dad's feelings on James Bond. Uh, I do know his feelings on on uh, enjoying things with me, which are anti. Uh, also, I, as far as I know, the only thing he ever, like, the only uh, entertainment thing he ever liked was uh, he had these books of comic strips about cowboys called Cowpokes. And with titles like Them Cowpokes. And I read them all because I could read really young and I read everything in the house. And he had like seven collections of these strips. And I, I in the years I knew him, never saw him read anything ever. But he owned these. And these are all like single panel uh, 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 strips. And it would just be like... Uh, you know, a couple cowboys hanging out on the range, and one of them says, of course I got a PhD, a post-hole digger. Which is a punchline, if you can call it that, that I still remember from when I was maybe five. Uh, anyway, that was the only thing my father enjoyed, so I didn't uh, really watch any James Bond movies until after Goldeneye came out, and I was old enough to drive myself to the theater and see whatever movies I wanted. Uh, I mean, I was already driving for a while when that came out, but uh, there was a, a six-year gap in between movies there, so James Bond wasn't in front of anybody's mind. Uh, so the point is, it was the only... So I've probably seen it a bunch, like, as a kid, and I do not know what I clicked with. There's so much slow-moving underwater fighting in that movie. Just glacial. And it almost makes me think they invented underwater cameras for that movie and really wanted to show them off. So we'll just park underwater for like eight minutes. Uh, also, it's a weird contrast when you watch like uh, Fallout the same day. And, you know, that has like these meticulous fight scenes. And there's a big fight scene in Thunderball that 
opens the movie where Sean Connery and the other guy are just swinging punches and sometimes they miss completely and uh, very little fight choreography involved. <laughs> Things have changed. Uh, so I'm... Yeah, Thunderball did not do it for me. Luckily, the the uh, non-MGM production uh, uh, Never Say Never Again is a remake of Thunderball, so I get another chance to watch this plot that I don't care about. Uh, I think next week is Diamonds Are Forever, which I've maybe only seen once. So I'm excited about that. Uh, all my attempts to rewatch Bond have kind of flamed out on Thunderball because it is a very boring movie. And, uh, but I'm going to plow through. We're going to get into, we're going to get into this. We're going to see those last weird Sean Connery movies and then get into the goofy sh Roger Moore stuff. It'll be fun. We're going to have a great time. Um, holy cats. I'm just about at the end here. Uh, I see, I can't skip a week of, of franchise discussion because I will, it'll eat up an episode if I play catch up. Uh, I'd like to remind you to check out my awesome sponsor, TeasedBySummer.com. Uh, mugs, t-shirts, there's a water bottle. It's all great. Uh, I have been wearing these t-shirts a lot more this year because uh, now that I have lost weight and I feel more comfortable wearing something that's not tenty, uh, I'm going around. Oh, man, I should have brought this up. I And this does relate to Teased by Summer. I saw Joe Para. Uh, he was he's doing a tour and he came to town and uh, uh, me and Brad and Becky and Becky uh, all went to see him and it was a tremendous show. It was amazing. I said tremendous a lot this week, but he's so funny and his stand-up is kind of what you expect from him based on his character but also surprising. It was great. And then afterwards, he, he was extremely generous generous with his time. He hung out to like sign books and talk to people. And yeah, we went and uh, I got my uh, Joe Perro's bathroom book signed. But we also talked to him and I got to tell him how much the obituary episode means to me. And I have a picture of me and my friends with Joe Para. And you know what I'm wearing in that in that picture? I'm wearing my Ape Hive shirt. I look cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm wearing Tees by Summer everywhere. I'm feeling great about it. They're good shirts. Anytime I wear them, somebody will comment. Uh, they're just so well designed. Uh, they're and you know if you're if you're familiar with the references, it's sort of like one of those things that you have to have it because it's it's good and funny and yeah, they're just they're it's it's all very good. Uh, so I'm walking around in my my t-shirts. I'm drinking from the mugs at work. It's great. Check it out. Teasebysummer.com. Buy something. Be cool. Get something and then let me know and I'll mention you on an episode. I'll talk about what a cool person you are to buy something. That's my promise to you. If you buy something from teasedbysummer.com, we're friendly acquaintances at the very least. That's how you that's how you win me over. Uh, so I guess that's it. 
Um, yeah, I realized mostly what I did was talk about a movie I can't see yet. And then some movies from 50 years ago. Uh, you never know what you're getting with this guy. I'm a wild card. Uh, I will see you next week. Uh, you can email the show, fedtalks at yahoo.com. I'm on Twitter at EJFettis. I'm on Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis. I think I posted some funny pictures this week. I can't remember. Oh, my pictures of me with Joe Para. You want to see that? Uh, check out either my, my Instagram or my Twitter. Uh, it's really cool. And I forgot what I say at the end. Something about how I'll be back next week. Hey, we're doing great. All right, I'll see you. Get in touch with me on email. Let me know what I should talk about sometimes. Uh, we're sort of in a, a zone where I'm not really doing much. And unless I keep doing TV catch-up episodes, I'm going to run out of material. So hit me up. Let me know what would be fun to talk about. Uh, got a possible guest episode or two coming up soon, which I am very excited about. I'll keep you posted. Or just never bring it up again. You don't know. All right. I'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wee, 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 wee.